0: that creates the situations which we will study for a season of time. The underlying purpose of the 180-day feast where the, the only law was applied was down in the text in verse 8. There is no law. That that, that was the law being applied to 180-day feasts of all types of individuals rotating in uh, to enjoy the riches of the king underlying motive or purpose for the display and opulence to all of the governors and the rulers, anyone of any kind of authority, from India to Ethiopia, was to drum up support for Ahasuerus' next military campaign. He was seeking to send, bring people in, woo them with his power and his might, influence them, good citizens in the days ahead, that when he will call upon them to come and to gather, to bring citizens for a campaign, to invade Greece, he needed their support. Of course, uh, history shows, which is beyond the scope of our own book, that the campaign against Greece failed, Uh, and then uh, it is uh, the mighty Romans who then uh, take over Point is, in, in, in this timeline, if he has an eye toward invasion, and the display of his wealth and power demonstrates that us is a force to be reckoned with. And finally, then the opening scene with this. I'm acting toward, verse 11. The opening scene closes with the king's call to Queen Vashti. Okay, notice the detail of the text. So, so all of these individuals that have been gathering are drinking for days. And, and they, they have not been told no since they arrived that in the text down in verse 8. There are no rules, except there are no rules. The king gave orders to all the staff of a palace. And, and the rule and the order he gave to them is, do whatever a man desires. So again, you can imagine um, what this crowd was like. By the time we come to the command Green Queen Basti, verse 11, with her royal crown. Again, the climax of this, of the king's call, Queen Basti, to come and display herself before the raucous and debauched crowd. And she was to come and stand before them, adorned in her royal diadem. The detail of the diadem is important for the overall context of the influence of the crowd. It was the pinnacle, both Vashti's beauty and being crowned with royal gem before the king with her royal crown is displayed. Not simply a Vashti's beauty, but the climactic moment of Ahasuerus' power. Notice how we see in verse eleven. Uh, verse ten, if you jump back, you see the context of the king is very merry with wine. We talked about that weeks ago on, on uh, inebriation and, and the need for clarity in decision making. He then commands to bring Queen Vashti, verse eleven, before the king and her royal with her royal crown. Why? In order to show the people all of the crowd of uh, 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 verse 8 and verse 9, everyone's gathered, and the the, the, uh, the the princes who are also gathered, and we'll get to them in just a moment in verse 13 and 14, but to show everybody her beauty and her power for, here is the text at the end of verse 11, she was lovely to look at. So is Immediately appear, and it will be this final movement of persuasion of yes, indeed. If we could put it in modern colloquialism, a hash-wares man. That—that—that's that, the influence. That—that's the impression. To This moment, this, 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 this moment of confirmation and, and the pinnacle of the display of power, wealth, prestige. On his face, and the anger that is burning is to be expected. He was utterly embarrassed at the moment where he was supposed to be mostly confirmed. I and mean, then to persuade the masses that under such power and influence the perceives, indeed, we could do what he says, we could join with him, the wind is in his favor. And now, the queen has refused Worth noting, just for a moment, as the story is told, that throughout the centuries, Vashti's response—a refusal at the king's command—has been interpreted along quite a wide spectrum. As you can imagine, some historically have viewed Vashti's denial of the command. of as a moment of dignified femininity, you can read many academic papers speaking of Aski as a feminist icon. While others have considered her to be an example of a stubborn and wicked wife, consider Martin Luther's commentary, and he's speaking on the topic of divorce, who while on uh, speaking of divorce, and to be fair to Luther, uh, he is speaking of a wide array and arrangement of how to handle and walk through complications in marriage. And, and he does weigh in on the role of divorce, its permission towards uh, uh, forbiddenness, And in, and in the kind of, uh, long-ranging comment about divorce, However, he does arrive at this, Perhaps you'll find quite odd. While I'm speaking of divorce and a wife's refusal toward her husband's needs, Luther says, quote, if she still refuses, again, an array of of, of options, of of working through, if she still refuses, nonetheless Luther concludes, get rid of her, take an Esther, and let Vashti go, just as King Heshawarist did, end quote. Likewise, in our modern discourse on gender, femininity, the future as female, Esther is either here a hero who comes in in verse 19 as someone who is better than she, or Esther also has been characterized as a patriarchal enabler. As the story then goes, of which we've read several weeks ago now, her willingness to then take back these plays opportunistically and her willingness then to win the room or bed of the king for her own best. noteworthy about that for our purposes we consider the study of the Old Testament text, and this is something I appreciate uh, uh, Jim uh, brought up in his prayer, about the the careful consideration uh, about looking at the Old Testament text, and the New Testament text uh, for that matter, but the Old Testament text as filled with simply uh, uh, great examples to simply mimic or follow after. Whether it is we consider Esther and we make Esther an example of all things good, or we consider Vashti and we make her the example of all things good or all things bad, or we consider the man even Abraham as only and singularly always exemplifying the perfect measure of the Unseen, none of us here would like to consider that they were defined in life by a single moment or a single decision. That is why the redemption story is so attractive. It makes sense of our sinful failures. We need renewal. We need rescue. We need grace. Only God is simple. He is always as the situation develops. Humans are far more complex and compound. Um, We're always shifting and changing. Even when you get to Hebrews 11, and as you would consider it uh, popularly as the Hall of Faith, or, or, or those who we see commanded to us as examples, what is it about Every commentary on Esther, she provides with a helpful reminder about the way to read and handle the text of the Old Testament. instantly simply this: she says, Quote, The interpreter must respect the which were indigenous to his own times and his own culture, not ours. Therefore, we must not read Esther as if the author's intended purpose was to address the concerns of modern feminism or gender, as articulated in ours. Role, we would make a big mistake. So here at the end of the first scene, then, with Vashti deciding to refuse to come at the king's request, it would be a good time for us to ask ourselves then, as we consider the developments of this text, what are the concerns of the author? Again, the interpreter must respect the concerns of the author. We'll then perhaps read together this morning just for a couple of moments. What is the point of this scene? A growing concern for the people of God during this time to which the author of Esther is writing to address. A growing concern for the people of God at this time and at other times going forward. A growing concern even for the people of God this morning. I know there certainly is when we think globally, it's hard to think to honestly and truly, empathetically consider things globally. But if we could, just for a moment, indeed, there are many Christians, I wouldn't disregard totally believers in this room as we look at our own culture, but as we look at global moments right now in various theaters of war and hardship, which are purposeful. similar to the psalmist's concern at times, and I would quote for you the thoughts and concerns of Job in his moments of despair. In Job 21, 16, beginning in verse 16 and then going forward, the question is this on the mind of Job, why when we look outside of ourselves and we look upon the horizon and we say, why do the wicked prosper? Job, again, in 21 verse 16, he says, Behold, is not their prosperity in their hand? How often is it that the lamp of the wicked is put out? How often is it that their calamity comes upon them? certainly is a concern within the first scene as the opulence of the feast that has to wear a scene to do just that, a wicked individual who seems to prosper. And the author of Esther is beginning to show that God... and deliver his people. The challenge with that, and I think you would grasp this as I share it with you and, and I share it with you in the challenge, and that is the optics of it. We, we may assent to that as it's expressed in the text of Holy Scripture, and we assent that indeed, through providence, God is always actively at work, governing all the creatures and all of their business. that he is subduing the wicked and he is delivering the righteous. But the optics to the eye do not always measure in that same way. Oftentimes we feel that providence can appear to be God doing nothing Remember, Mary and Martha both felt like providence is proving you to do nothing. And Lazarus is dead, and, and, and then you didn't come. Nothing is being fixed. When we saw in reality from the text, as we continue to read and develop it, it is not God doing nothing, but our Lord is in that text doing everything. So it is, blood, with providence. It will on the horizon, that God is seeming to do nothing, but I wish you to receive through faith as we consider it through the text, just for a couple more minutes, here in Esther, in truth, God is, through providence, doing everything. And here we see exactly that, that God is working through providence on a global scale. Look at verse 13. So you see in 12, Basti refuses. This sets off scene two. Then... So now you see the king is here. You know the anticipation of the crowd. The response of the king is predictable. Now he is enraged, and his anger burned within him. Now, if you just jump down quickly through verse uh, fourteen, at the end. The, the wise men who are there in verse thirteen, they see the king's face. Right? But they they don't know, no, uh oh seems to happen, back up in the 13th, and so just the impression of the team he hears that not coming, by the way. And you can predict what his face probably looked like at that moment, being told no. We also know uh, being told no doesn't go great with having your heart married with wine. So we can kind of anticipate what the situation is at this moment with King Ahasuerus. Blown. And the men who are around and notice who they are, they, they, they tend to be men who are wise at law. verse thirteen. Then the king said to the wise men, "The, the, the point of their wisdom, they knew the time. They understood procedural uh, roles in the kingdom. They understood law. They exercised judgment. They sat there, and then there's the list of the names: the, set, uh, the seven princes of Persia and Media. But, but more than knowing the signs and the times and exercising wisdom." What is the key that they really knew at that moment? They saw the king's face. That's the knowledge they're gonna have. Now. You see, if we consider providence, in this moment in this text, God is behind Basti's refusal to be objectified. And again, if we think of it more Appropriate, the Baschist said no. It, 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 it morally is the right thing to do. It's to not go out there and hear. Do you hear them? Yes. Can you anticipate what they want? Yes. And hey, I'm not doing that. Good to you. But speaking of providence, wherein God governs all of the creatures and all of their decisions, God is Put yourself in the shoes of Vassy just for a moment. She probably has no thought that the simple decision to not be objectified in front of a debauched crowd that this decision will forever. Esther at Holy Scripture. I'm sure Bassey's- And just to consider this in Providence in God government, and God moving governments and God moving people and God controlling even small decisions that seem insignificant at times, but have tremendous long form effects. Psalm 33, again, depending on where we're at in the Psalms, asking the same questions. Why do the wicked seem to always prosper? Notice then, just for a moment, as we move towards our last few moments together, consider how God sets the man of wisdom of this age into, well, essentially a panic. Notice verse 16 through 19. Verse 16, then Memekin said in the presence of the king and the the officials, I know what we'll do. Not only against the king, and I want you as I read this text, notice the the language of of all, how many times the writer repeats the expanse of these words, how many people are included here. That that is significant uh, for our conclusion. So please note with me the expanse. And then, as a wise man who knew the times, but more so knew the king's face, this is put forward not only against the king has Queen Basti done wrong, but also against all the officials and all the people who are in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. For the queen's behavior will be known to all causing them to look at their husbands with contempt, since they will say, well, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Basti to be brought for him. And she didn't come. This very day, the noble women of Persia and Media who have heard the queen's behavior will say the same to all the king's officials. And there will be contempt and wrath in plenty please the king, let a royal order go out from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, so that it may not be revealed that Vashti is never again to come before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal position to another If we consider these closing comments of our text this morning, introducing, closing out scene one and introducing Esther as the Lord is at work in Providence. Here it is, if we're considering it carefully, just for a moment, in this little section right here between the wise men, the lawmakers, and the judges, there is a word of encouragement to our current political theology, to our current Protestant thought of political counsel, of political discourse, or how is the country doing politically? Depending on who you ask, some think it's thriving, some are near despair. Here is, for the Christian, stabilizing, encouraging world. You see, as here with these lawmakers, so often in times, lawmakers overread or make laws in hate We can assign all kinds of motives to politicians, but again, it's just a principle that we see in the text. Oftentimes, lawmakers overreach or make laws in haste, whether it be to save their own skin or to impose unjust laws upon others in order to enforce power. What we may be frustrated by today is nothing new, no matter what side of the aisle you're on. And while being frustrated or politically discouraged as a citizen, Mustn't despair, believer. Because as we see here in Esther, so also today, we see that God's purposes will prevail. I wish you not to take that light encouragement. We can kind of, again, wherein we see the same pattern. Lawmakers overreaching, making laws in haste to inflict unjust laws on others in order to maintain power. I draw your attention to none other than the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Particularly considering closing Matthew's Gospel, you recall how this is a concern than any other. That was his agenda to show, indeed, that Christ, who is born, is the fulfillment of the promises of God to his people. Matthew records, at the announcement of Jesus' birth, he includes the story of King Herod. Again, another official who we might think is beyond God's reach, who can enact the laws and oppress and experience no fear, and even perhaps for God's purposes. At the recording of the episode with King Herod, Matthew records, King Herod was troubled at the announcement of our Lord's birth. He was troubled and mm mm-hmm.